Can we give God one more hand of praise this morning? Amen, amen. Hold on, give me one second. We're starting a new series today. I want to introduce myself as Agent Pastor David today. No. I, I, somebody, saw me, somebody saw me today and they're like, you didn't get so dressed up for my baby's dedication. I was like, it's not, I, 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 was, I had almost even forgotten. I was like, it's not for Ethan, man. It's part of the series. Like, you know, I was going for Agent Phil Colson from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., right? That, 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 that kind of somewhat do it, yeah? Youth pastors and children's pastors get to have all the fun. They get to dress up in every activity and do all kinds of stuff. But senior pastors should get to have fun too, right? So we're like going to pull it all out and, and, uh, and get going. And, and um, he says it's, it's more like men in black. No, not really. I, I, I dress just like Phil Colson today. Yes, and men in black, they do it too. I mean, really, any agent dresses in suits and ties and stuff. But um, we're starting a new series today. And it's called Agents of Change. And before we get into it, I, I want to talk about a few of these words. And I looked up the word agent, and I, I want to give you a definition for the word agent. If you look it up in the dictionary, this is what agent means. It's a person or a thing that takes an active role or produces a specified effect. Okay? A person who takes an active role and produces a specified effect. If you look up the word change in the dictionary, you're gonna see that the word change means make someone or something different. That's what change is, making someone or something different. So if we put these two words together, agent of change this is the definition I came up with for it, a person who takes an active role in making someone or something different. A person who takes an active role in making someone or something different. That is an agent of change. And can I tell you something this morning and you guys that are online? Every single one of us is called to be an agent of change. So let's talk about Bible for a minute. The Great Commission is when Jesus calls us or tells us what we're supposed to do. We're going to read it in two different passages. We're going to go first to Matthew chapter 28. If you've got your Bibles there, there, go to Matthew chapter 28. When you've got it, say amen. If you don't have a Bible with you, you're on timeout. I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're going to put it up on the screen. We're going to put it up on the screen. But I highly encourage you to get a Bible, okay? Or at the very least, download the app on your phone so you can read it or you can listen to it, all right? So Matthew chapter 28 Verse number 18, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus has been given authority, and he delegates that authority to us to go into the world and make disciples. Now, I, I, let me give it to you in, in a, 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 a ecclesiastical or church example. So our church, God is the supreme leader, right? Like God is the one, he is the one over the church. However, God has called me to pastor this local church. 
And so I am the pastor, the voice that God uses to speak to this local body. However, within our church, I have some associate pastors, Pastor Fernie, Pastor Jose, my wife, Pastor Patty. They have a delegated authority to pastor you. They don't need to call me and say, you know, Pastor Bernie doesn't need to call me and say, hey, Pastor, you know, um, um, you know, Johnny reached out to me and says that they're going through an issue. Do I have permission to go meet with them? He doesn't need to ask me that because he has been given authority to pastor alongside me within here. Jesus was given authority and he has passed on that authority to every single one of his followers to go and make disciples and be an agent of change. Look at the way Mark reads it. Go to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, it's written the same but a little different. And it says it this way, Mark 16, 15. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. How many of you know that if someone is sick, and you pray for them, and God heals them, there was a change? How many of you know that if you tell someone about Jesus, and they decide to follow Jesus, their life is forever changed? We are called to be such agents of change. Every single one of us. It's not only on the authority of the pastor or the prophet or the teacher or the evangelist. It's not just the fivefold ministry that is supposed to lead people. It's all of us are to walk in this delegate authority to make disciples, to tell people about Jesus and be an agent of change. So I want you to say this with me this morning. I am an agent of change. I need a little more oomph than that. One more time, right? I am an agent of change. If you're online, put it in the comment box. I am an agent of change, all right? Put it right there in the comment box. Now, I want to show you that throughout all of Scripture, we find people who were agents of change. It's full of people who were agents of change. I mean, we could spend the entire service and an entire year, if not longer, talking in detail about every agent of change in the scripture. So I'm going to only talk about a few of them this morning, and I'm going to find them in the book of Hebrews. So go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. The book of Hebrews, chapter 11. For those of you all that didn't know that coffee was in the Bible, this is where you see it. Hebrews. All right. Some of y'all got it, some of y'all didn't, and it's okay. Some of y'all are going to get it in about three minutes, and that's okay, too. Thank you. Somebody yelled out, I got it. All right. Hebrews. All right. Hebrews chapter 11, a lot of us have read, but we've only read verse 1. Verse 1, I mean, almost every Christian has heard. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But they've not read the rest of it. So we're going to get into a little more detail, a little more of what the book of Hebrews talks about. So look at verse number four. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. Unto the point of Abel 
and of Cain, we hadn't seen offerings being given to God. And we see that Abel does it one way and Cain does it another way. And from there forward, he was then even instituted into the law, the importance of giving the firstborn and giving God the first and the first fruits. Abel was an agent of change. If you go down to verse 7, look what it says in verse 7. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things yet not seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Noah was an agent of change. Every single one of his family members, his sons and his daughters, all three sons with their three wives, entered the ark and were saved. Their lives were forever changed. Now, I'll think about the faith that it took for Noah to go build the ark. Not, yeah, Noah. To build the ark. I don't know. I said Noah, but I thought Moses for a second, and it just <laughs> threw me off. The faith that it took Noah to build an ark when it had never rained on the earth before. Scripturally, you can read that. It had not rained on the earth before. So when he begins to tell people, there's a flood coming, it's going to rain. People are like, rain? What is that? It's like, water's going to come from the sky. From the sky? Noah, you lost it. But he was an agent of change. That's right. Just, I love Justice in here because he agrees with me while I preach. He helps me preach. Look at verse number eight. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of the place that he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Now, even people who don't know anything about Jesus or Christianity have heard about Abraham. As a matter of fact, Abraham is the father of every modern religion on the face of the, of the earth, pretty much. He is the father. He is, he is considered the father uh, of the faith in Muslim for those who are Muslim, he's considered the father of the faith to Catholics. He's considered the father of the faith to every branch of Christianity, Protestants, Lutherans, Presbyterians, every single one of them. He is considered the father of faith to the Jewish nation and the Jewish faith. He is considered the father of faith. The dude was an agent of change. He changed the world. But understand something. He changed the world by obeying God and stepping out into a place that he didn't know where he was going yet. God tells Abram, leave your father's house. Now, the verse says here that he had an inheritance. He was going to receive as an inheritance his father's house, his father's land. But God said, leave and go to the place that I will show you. And in the fact that he left his comfort area, comfort zone, security blanket, God showed up and he changed the course of the world through Abram. Watch, let's continue reading here. Scroll down to verse number 17. By faith, when he was tested, this is talking about Abraham, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed, shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So if you've never heard the story of Abraham, he doesn't have kids. God blesses him. He has a son, Isaac, the son of promise. There's another in-between stuff. We're not going to get into that right now, but you can read it 
marry somebody else because his wife told him maybe she'll have the kid, and it was crazy. That's actually the branch where then uh, uh, we get now through the son of, through Ishmael is where then is the Muslim faith born. So when he has Isaac, the son of promise, God tells Isaac, or God tells Abram one day, give me back Isaac. Sacrifice him to me. Abram gets Isaac, climbs up a mountain with the rope, with the knife, with all the stuff to make an offering. And at one point, I'm sure, you know, or not I'm sure, the Bible says it. Isaac says, yo, dad, we've done this before. And you always bring an offering. There's always a sheep or a lamb or a ram with us. Where's the offering? And Abram's response was, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Now, he gets to the altar. He lays him on the altar. He ties him to the altar. And he pulls out the knife when God then says, all right, I see you'll give me anything. Stop. And a ram in the thicket goes, bah. I don't know if rams make bad, but the sheeps do, so whatever. <laughs> and he sees the ram caught in the thicket, and he gets him and frees Isaac. How many of you know that was life-changing to Isaac? It continues to say here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. Now we've talked about Moses a heck of a whole lot. How many of you heard about Moses? Y'all know he was the first Cuban rafter, right? I got jokes today. I am a dad, if you did not know that, so I got dad jokes, just my dad jokes are biblical. We know Moses. We've heard of Moses. Moses is raised in Pharaoh's house. In Egypt. He leaves after he kills an Egyptian defending an Israelite because they were his brethren, right? And he goes into the wilderness. God shows up to Moses in front of a burning bush that was on fire and not being consumed. And God tells Moses, go back to Egypt, go to Pharaoh, and tell him, let my people go. Moses tells God, I can't do this. I can't speak well. God says, here's your brother Aaron. Says, what do I say? He says, you got a staff. You, you all seen Princess Egypt, a Prince of Egypt. You all know what I'm talking about, right? So God uses Moses to get the children of Israel out of Egypt after being slaves in Egypt for 400 years. How many of you know that Moses was an agent of change? But can I talk about Moses' parents for a minute? I don't think the Bible even mentions Moses' parents' names. But it says here in Hebrews 11 that Moses' parents hid Moses for three months to spare his life. No Moses' parents hiding Moses? No Moses! There had been a decree to kill every male child of the children of Israel that was born. But his parents, in essence, changed the world because they heard the voice of God and spared their son and hid him away for three months. Let me tell you something. Every single one of us is called to change the world, to be an agent of change. But it does not necessarily mean you're going to be in a public platform. You might be changing the world by raising the next world changer. 
you might be changing the world by imparting wisdom of the word of God into your child or your grandchild or your niece or your nephew. You don't know who you are impacting and how that is going to be a world changer. It continues to say here, if we go down a little further, verse number 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Rahab was a harlot, a prostitute. And when the spies go into Jericho and they're chasing them, they go hide there. And because she feared the Lord, she hid them. And you know what that caused? That not only was Rahab, but all of her family that came to her house on the day that Jericho fell were saved. She was an agent of change. She actually becomes one of the only two women that's in the genealogy of Jesus. Can I tell you something? No matter your past, no matter where you came from, no matter what you've done or where you've been through, in the hands of God, you become an agent of change. Too many times we take ourselves out of contention to be used by God. We penalize ourselves. We put ourselves in timeout. Any of your kids put themselves in timeout? Any? My kids put themselves in timeout sometimes. Like something happens and I'm like, what was that? And I hear them say, I'm going to timeout. <laughs> like they already know that whatever they did, timeout's coming. So it's like, I, I got it. I'm good. I'm, you know, I'm going. <laughs> And some of us do that. We messed up, and instead of repenting, we automatically disqualify ourselves. But God says, no, 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 no. I will forgive you, I will restore you, and I will make you that agent of change. Because we're all called to be agents of change. It continues to go on here. Watch. Look what it says in verse number 32. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell you of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant and viral, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Let me tell you something. I mean, I said it right at the beginning. We could speak an entire year or more if we were detailing every single person that was an agent of change in Scripture. One of the ones that doesn't mention here that's my favorite is Caleb and Joshua. Numbers 13 and 14, you can read the story later. They were part of the spies that were sent into the promised land. Moses tells them to go in and spy out the land. And they come back and 10 of the spies start talking about everything they can't do. You have anybody like that in your life? They only mention what you can't do? Like, oh, we can't conquer. The people are too big. The giants are so big, we look like grasshoppers. And Caleb says, everybody shut up. Yes, the people are big, but our God is bigger. God will give us the land. Can I tell you what? The only two people that left Egypt and entered the promised land were Caleb and Joshua, the agents of change. The ones that stood to the crowd that were followers of Jesus as well, or not Jesus, but of crowd, and said, we can do this. See, that's a lesson even of itself, because sometimes our church family tells us what we can't do as well. 
And in love, we need to look at them and say, hey, I don't need to listen to your voice. I need to listen to what God says. That's why it's imperative that you read your Bible. I mean, I say that all the time. It is imperative that you read your Bible. Every single day, that is a non-negotiable. You should read the Bible every single day. For a few reasons. Number one, to know what God says about you. That song we were singing, I am who you say I am, right? That's what it said there in part of the champion. I am who you say I am, right? Well, if you don't know who he says you are, you stay in an identity crisis. If you don't know what the promises are that he's given you, you miss out on the blessings. If you don't know what the Bible says, any pastor or teacher or priest or whatever who stands there and says something, you take it as law. Can I tell you something? If I say something, I say this all the time. Some of you are new. You've never heard this. You're going to hear it today. If I say something that's opposite that when God said in the Bible, guess what? I'm wrong and the Bible's right. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. So we need to read Scripture. Because if we don't read Scripture, we will not know all that comes with it. Now, it talks here, it says a bit, Gideon, Barak, not Obama, but Barak, <laughs> Samuel, David, all of them. They were agents of change. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to write down these next three things, all right? This is what we learn from these men and women of what it takes to be an agent of change. Number one is this. Agents of change must walk in faith. Agents of change must walk in faith. It's not a suggestion. It's not an optional package. It is a requirement. Abram left the house in faith. Noah built the ark in faith. Moses' parents hid Moses in faith. Moses laid down the rod in faith. Moses put the rod to the Red Sea in faith. Rahab let down the red cord in faith. Gideon went down and held the fire and the thing in faith. Every single one of them needed faith in order to be used by God to be an agent of change. Now remember, the beginning of the chapter, the one that we all know, says that faith is, faith is the things, evidence of things hoped for. Sorry. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Can I tell you something else? Faith is a muscle, and it requires you to work it out. It is a muscle that requires you to work it out. What does that mean, Pastor? Well, in your personal life, you may believe that God is a healer. But if you don't pray for God to heal you of a cold, cold or a headache, you're not going to have the faith when cancer comes. Pastor, you're saying we're going to get cancer. I'm not saying you're going to get cancer, but it's inevitable that we're going to face rough stuff because Jesus himself said, in the world you're going to have tribulation, but have faith or have peace, I've overcome the world. The Bible also says we've all been given a measure of faith. But the more that we exercise it, the bigger the muscle becomes. Yeah, Sergio dedicated Ethan a little while ago, right? Now, he's bigger than me. He's taller than me. 
He can also probably lift seven times the weight that I can lift. Why? Because I don't go to the gym and he does. The guy works out, built like an ox. <laughs> can I tell you what? If he stops working out, he won't be able to lift that anymore. See, that's another lesson in faith. Just because you've worked out your faith doesn't mean that then you're good and you get comfortable because that's when then your faith begins to waver you begin to lack of faith and your muscles actually begin to dilapidate. Mm. Dilapidate. Get smaller, weaker. Google it. <laughs> Love you. During this pandemic, I lost 40 pounds. It's funny because some people would reach out, I was like, are you okay? Is everything? I was like, yeah, hey, I just changed my eating habits. But during the pandemic, how many of you know people that gained a lot of weight? How many of you know people who were very fit, who ended up gaining a bunch of weight during the pandemic? Why? Because the gym was closed, right? Gym closed, no workout, fat, and less muscles. I'm getting somewhere with it. It is a shift of lifestyle to walk in faith, to be the effective agent of change that God wants you to be. And when you change your lifestyle to walk a lifestyle of faith, you will see change happening all around you. Parents, teach your kids to pray for things. When they're not feeling well, when you're supposed to be going to a birthday party and the weather looks bad, pray for the weather. Teach them to build their faith. The second thing that we learn is that agents of faith must be obedient to God. Every single one of them showed obedience. Again, Abraham left when God said go. Noah built when God said build. Moses went when God said go. They were all obedient. And disobedience will bring you a consequence. And obedience brings you rewards. You know why it requires obedience? Because obedience calls you to do the things that are not natural to you. Have any of your children had to obey you in saying, go play with your toys? No. But how about go pick up your room? How about don't answer back? Ooh, that was a hard one. Right? Those are things that they need to obey. Why? Because it's natural to snap back. It's natural to leave things in the mess. It's natural to do the things you're not supposed to do. It's natural to not want to eat your green beans and broccoli. So you tell your kids, you have to eat this. And they do it out of obedience. Obedience brings the blessings and moves God and is required by God to be an effective agent of change because obedience is when you start doing what didn't come natural. It doesn't come natural to go up to a stranger and say, hey, can I pray for you? It doesn't come natural to go up to a person who's in need and say, hey, can I give you this? Those things aren't natural. Those are things we do out of obedience. Obedience. And the last thing is this. Worship team, you can come to the altar. The last thing we learn is this. Agents of change must have vision. 
Agents of change must have vision. Now, vision, we're going to pick it up next Sunday because there's a lot to talk about when it comes to vision in the life of an agent of change. But these are the three things I want you to jot down. Number one, agents of change must have faith. Agents of change must be obedient to God. And agents of change must have vision. Come on, one more time. I want you to say it this morning. I am an agent of change. One more time. I am an agent of change. And you online, one more time, put it there in the comment box. I am an agent of change. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. Before we close service, I want to give everybody an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of their life. I'm going to ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes because this is personal. It's personal. I'll go back to the, the baby dedication. Ethan was dedicated to the Lord today. But when he begins to learn right from wrong, he will need to learn who God is and his parents instruct him who God is so that one day he makes the decision personally to ask Jesus to come into his heart. So what does the Bible say? The Bible says this. There's two things. It's very simple. It says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. So the first thing that it takes to become a son or a daughter of God is to believe that Jesus is the son of God. The second thing is actually just as simple because it says in Romans chapter 10 that if you confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, you shall be saved. Believe it, confess it. So if today you say, you know what, I, I've believed that Jesus is the Son of God, but I've never surrendered, I've never confessed it, I, I, I've never truly done this, and I want to do it today. I just want you to say this prayer with me. Again, every head bowed, every eye closed, and just say this. Church, pray together with them. And say, God, I'm a sinner, and on my own, I cannot get to you. But I believe that Jesus is your son, that he came to earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, and rose from the grave to pay the price for my sin. So today, I ask Jesus, come and live in my heart. Write my name in the book of life. And God, from now on, I'm yours. You are mine in Jesus' name. Father, I ask you this morning, help us to walk as agents of change. Lord, help us to walk in faith. Lord, that we may be obedient to what you ask of us to do. And Father, that we may walk with vision. Lord, that we will fulfill the great commission of going into all the world and telling people about you. In Jesus' name. Come on, just worship him for another minute.